You're listening to the Food Freedom Body Love Podcast, Episode 12. Welcome to the Food Freedom Body Love Method, a podcast designed to change our current beliefs about food, weight, health, and beauty, repair our relationship with our physical selves, and provide inspiration for living beautifully in the skin we're in. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Food Freedom Body Love Method podcast. I'm switching things up a little bit today. You know, typically this podcast has been story-based, but I'm realizing that um, to keep going, you know, sometimes that's not going to really work. Like that format won't always work. So today I'm, I'm deviating a little bit from the storytelling podcast and I'm just going to be talking to you guys about the movie I Feel Pretty. Um, I follow Busy Phillips on on Instagram and watch her stories. I love her. I think she's amazing. And so I followed along last year as she, an actress who's in this movie, and her husband Mark Silverstein, who I believe wrote the screenplay with Abby Kahn and directed the movie, were making the movie. And so I was super interested to see how this movie was going to turn out. I went to see it last night and I enjoyed it in the way that, you know, I enjoy fluffy rom-coms. And yet, of course, with the movie I Feel Pretty, there's a really deep message that's very pertinent to the work I do. And so I wasn't just watching a fluffy, you know, rom-com editorial on women's bodies and lives. I was like, I was, I was being a little bit more analytical than I usually am. And I'm going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk about a few of the major criticisms that I've read and that I saw that I felt in the movie. And then I think more importantly, because I think it's all good and well to criticize things, you know, everybody wants to be critical and criticize things. But more importantly for me is to actually pull apart the lessons or the things that stand out to me that are actually useful in identifying some of the places where the movie falls short. I think the idea of it is great. You know, the idea was, um, the premise of the movie is basically that she's a woman who doesn't have confidence. She doesn't feel beautiful. She doesn't feel like her body is right. She doesn't feel like she has access to things in the world that other women who are you know, culturally beautiful have access to. And there's a shift in her perspective. It comes in the form of a head injury, (laughs) which we're going to talk about, but there's a shift in perspective and the shift in perspective changes the way that she views her body and then the way that she interacts with the world. So interesting idea, right? Like if you think about um, some of our formative spiritual books, like A Course in Miracles, a miracle is basically just a shift in perspective, right? And so that's what this is. Some of the issues, you know, we're going to get into, it's like, how did the shift in perspective come about? How do we view this woman? How do we view the shift in perspective and how she manifests it? So we'll talk about all of that. But, you know, the goal was pretty good. Um, The idea was good. It's a step in the right direction. And yet, you know, it's easy to want to criticize these things. It's important to criticize these things culturally. Um, But, you know, my goal isn't just to criticize. My goal is to actually take something and say, hey, this is what this brings up for me 
in my body in this world. And maybe you feel the same. And maybe if we're both feeling the same way about what this brings up for us, um, maybe we can use that information to move forward. And obviously, because this is the work I do, I have the language for, you know, this could bring up a feeling in you and, and you not be totally clear on what that feeling is. And so my goal is always to bring words to some of the feelings that we have when we see stories like this, when we see a narrative like this. And if there was something that did make you feel uncomfortable or you did make you feel like it was unfair, it's like, maybe I can help put words to that. And then of course, again, my goal is always to pull something from it that we can actually use and move forward with. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Interestingly, I got an email from one of my favorite authors, Karen Mason Miller, who I've read from a couple of times on this podcast already. She wrote one of my favorite books, Paradise in Plain Sight. Her other books, Mama Zen and Handwash Cold, have also been incredibly formative for me. She's a Zen Buddhist monk. She's spirituality and reality and hilarious writing. I mean, she's just the whole package for me. And I got an email from her a week and a half ago. I nearly died. I was just blown away by by how she even, how a Zen Buddhist monk even finds this podcast and then listens to it and then decides to reach out to me and tell me how much she's loving it. And so I wrote her back a gushy sort of email knowing that she would send me back a very Buddhist email. And she did, which was, you know, we do the things that we do for ourselves first and foremost. And the the result and the reaction that we get is, is just sort of the result and reaction we get. But we always need to just be operating from, you know, and sharing with the world what we most need. And I realized that that's exactly what I do. You know, I've known that, but it was another deep reminder. And I think that this podcast in particular is going to speak to that very much because the movie pulled up something in me that I'm going to talk about a little bit later. And it just reinforced for me that Yes, I create this podcast because I want to share this work. I want to share this information. I want as many women to have it as possible, but I'm also doing it because I need it. You know, this isn't, this is a little bit of a selfish act. <laughs> I, I am speaking about what comes up for me and how I feel about it and how it affects the life that I live and the work that I do. And my hope is just that those of you who feel the same way, who need the same information, who are dealing with the same issues, resonate and find the work. So that was a, that was a cool lesson this week. So yeah, today we're going to be talking about, I feel pretty. Let's go. Okay, so one more time in case you missed it in the intro. I Feel Pretty is a movie about a woman who is living in New York City and she is struggling to date. She's struggling to move forward in her career and she's feeling like her looks are the barrier to her moving forward with dating and career and just sort of life in general. Um, She's desperate to sort of feel what it feels like to live in a body that is conventionally beautiful. And she starts going to Soul Cycle and she gets all pumped up and inspired at this Soul Cycle class. And then, boom, she falls off the bike, hits her head. And when she wakes up, she looks in the mirror and believes that she has transformed into a beautiful 
conventionally beautiful woman. She hasn't changed at all. It's just the shift in perspective that happened with the head injury that's caused this shift in her thinking. And with this shift in thinking comes this incredible confidence and self-assurance. And she begins to move through the world differently and the world begins to respond to her differently. And with this belief that she is beautiful and the confidence that she carries with that belief, all of a sudden she begins to win all of the thin, beautiful prizes in our culture. She gets the guy and the job and the attention from even more attractive males. And she feels like she's winning. She feels like she wins. And then later in the movie, she hits her head again. I mean, you know this. I don't feel like I'm really spoiling it for you. And all of a sudden feels like she's gone back to her old self and is struggling to figure out how to exist in the world back in her old body. And then comes to the realization that her looks had never changed and that the barrier to her living in the world in the way that she wants and accomplishing all of her goals and chasing her dreams. The only barrier to that is her and her way of thinking that her body was never the problem. It's just her thought process that was the problem. And so again, in that very like, you know, not thinking too hard about it, it takes place in New York. There's great clothes, you know, Maroon 5 song opens up the movie. It's very like culturally fun. Um, But what I want to talk about today are some of the things that made me pause when we think about the body positive movement, when we think about the way that our culture views women in terms of beauty and weight and the messages that were conveyed, whether intentionally or not. I would say probably not. I feel like the people making this are just part of the zeitgeist trying to make something funny and unintentionally just keep reinforcing the narrative that we have around beauty and weight. And so I think it's important, you know, it's fine to watch these things if we understand what we're watching and we know that hopefully we're, we're trying to move our culture in the direction of more diversity and more inclusivity. And that this is still very much representing one perspective, the perspective that we've gotten from Hollywood for a long time, which is that of like a white straight man, a white cisgendered male. Um, So we're getting the same perspective that we've gotten for a long time, a great idea, but there are three things that I picked up on and have read. I know other people are writing about this as well. Three areas where I felt like, hey, this is something that we really need to just be able to identify. So even if you want to go watch the movie and you want to, you know, superficially laugh and enjoy it, I think it's important that at the very least we start to pick out some of the the bits and pieces of the story that, that keep us stuck in old belief systems and, and keep people marginalized and stigmatized. And then I'm going to point out the moments and then sort of what they brought up for me or the learning, the the learning opportunities within these moments. Okay. So first thing about this movie with Ms. Amy Schumer, she's not actually fat. There's a lot of talk about her body and how wrong it is and how much it doesn't fit and this, you know, the hilarity 
of her shifting her perspective and seeing herself as a hot, attractive, desirable, beautiful woman. Because how funny is that? Like, how could that even be true? And yet, (laughs) you know, she's maybe a size eight, you know, (laughs) she's in a pretty regular sized, you know, medium sized body as far as our culture goes. And so there has been quite a bit of criticism about the fact that she's not fat enough for this to be impactful. And I have a couple of feelings on this. The first thing is, yeah, I feel like how incredible would it be to actually see a movie with a woman who's who's actually in a, a highly stigmatized plus size body? How interesting would that be to see a size 22 play a role like this where she has to shift her perspective and learn to accept her body in the world and move forward or to just see a woman living a normal nuanced human life in a in a size 18 20 20 you know size body that would be super interesting but that's not what we're seeing what we're seeing is a woman who's actually in a size 8 maybe a size 10 I don't actually know what size she is but a really medium sized body And so that criticism is fair, but I would also say that contextually within the realm of Hollywood, she is fat. That has been her experience. Her experience, her entire career is being told that she's too fat and it limiting her career opportunities and potentially, you know, limiting her career opportunities in some ways. And then in other ways, she's turned it into, um, she's turned it into uh, a way to sort of move forward in Hollywood, I think. But but contextually, she is fat. You know, in Hollywood, she is considered plus-sized. And so the bigger thing that this brings up for me that I would want to be a a learning opportunity in this argument as to, is she fat? Is she fat enough? Is she not fat enough? Does she represent a plus-sized body? Does she not? For me, the the learning opportunity here is the ability to understand or recognize intersectionality. Intersectionality um, is a term coined that was coined originally by Kimberly Crenshaw, and it was with regards to uh, race and and sexism. And so she was basically looking at um, black feminism, and she termed this coin to help us understand within a specific context how women who are black deal with an exponential amount of stigma. So it's not just being African-American or being black, and it's not just being a woman. It's the two of these things combined and how they intersect that that exponentially affect how those human beings are affected in the world and how they're stigmatized in the world. And then if we look at it in terms of just sort of sexism in general, um, there's intersectionality in sexism and there's intersectionality in all forms of oppression because basically it's it, it describes how layers of oppression compound the stigma felt by an individual. And so in English, you know, what that means is for women, for example, like I am a white, medium-sized, straight, cisgendered woman. And so, yes, as a woman, I experience sexism, but I experience sexism very differently than a woman of color. I experience sexism very differently from a woman in a size 18 body. 
I experience sexism differently from a disabled woman or a transgendered woman. And so, you know, what intersectionality teaches is that different layers of oppression cause us to be treated incredibly differently in the world. And I think that what this brings up for me, this discussion of like her size and whether she's big enough or or if she can actually represent is really a conversation about is about a conversation about intersectionality, about the fact that women of different sizes when it comes to fat politics and weightism and and stigma around weight women of different sizes are affected to very different degrees based on their size. And they're not just affected by their weight. They're also affected by the other oppressions, the other isms that may be applied to them. And so definitely, if we look at Amy Schumer, white, blonde, medium-sized, she she's maybe not a supermodel, but she's pretty, you know? Is she affected to the same degree as other women when it comes to weight? And and probably not, right? And it brings up, I think, the idea that, yes, we're making baby steps in the right direction, but the fact of the matter is we're willing to accept the storyline from a woman who is, is intersectionally at the top of the pile, you know? We're willing to accept that someone in her body straight, cisgendered, representing femininity in the way that we currently understand it, we're willing to accept the storyline from her. How differently would audiences have responded to a woman of color or a transgendered person or a woman who was, you know, as I said, in a size 22 body? We're not there, right? Our culture is not there. So yes, while this is a baby step in the right direction, I think what it does is it highlights our need to understand intersectionality and and the need to recognize that we still have a really, really, really long way to go. And then for the women that I work with when it comes to this work, I feel like because I do attract women who are like me, right? That's just the way that the world works. We tend to attract people if we're going to work with them in sort of a healing modality, we tend to attract people who are like us. And so I tend to attract women who are a little bit more like me. And I feel like it's always really important to bring up privilege. Like this is is a conversation about privilege. And it's important. It's not someone's fault if they have privilege. It's not Amy Schumer's fault that she is in a slightly more privileged body than other women. It's not my fault that I'm in a slightly more privileged body. And it's not straight-sized women's fault that they're in thin bodies. The problem comes in when we don't recognize the privilege that we have. And so often when I'm working with women, especially when we start to get into the conversation of like, it's not fair, like life's not fair. It's not fair that I'm in this plus-size body. It's not fair that I'm, you know, can't lose weight. It's not fair that... um I feel like I need to exercise more or be more careful with my food. For me, it we always get into this conversation about privilege. And yeah, maybe you don't have all of the privileges that someone else have has, but what privileges do you have? 
And that's the question I often pose to women. Where have you been born into privilege? Where do you have advantages that you were just born into that you didn't earn? You know, and when we start to be able to recognize that and identify it, then we can be more aware of women who continue to be marginalized because it's great. This whole body positive movement is fantastic, except that if we're not careful, what we're seeing is more and more medium sized white women gaining lots of attention and acceptance for their bodies and women in bodies that are um, continuing to be stigmatized. If, if they're over a certain weight, if they're quote unquote too big, if they are um, of different race or ethnicity, if they are, are transgendered, if they are disabled, like I said, you know, all of these extra layer of isms end up leaving a good chunk of women behind and not included, right, in the body positive movement. So for me, you know, you could argue all day long, about her size. But to me, the important lesson here is to be able to recognize that at different sizes, women are affected differently by weightism. And women who have different compounding isms applied to them are affected exponentially. They are exponentially stigmatized as opposed to, you know, a blonde, white, medium-sized woman. The second thing that came up for me while watching this movie is the idea that um, the character Renee played by Amy Schumer could only shift her perspective about her body (laughs) via head injury (laughs) you know it's like the most plausible way for us to believe that a woman could actually accept and like her body is if she bonked her head you know and also to add to that Um, which was actually pointed out to me by an article written by Virgie Tovar. I hadn't really thought about it. But the fact that we are empathetic as as an audience and that we continue to like her as she steps fully into her confidence and power as a woman in her not conventionally beautiful body is based on the fact that it's, you know, she hasn't just powerfully stepped into it. She hit her head. You know, it wasn't her creating the shift, the shift happened to her. And that keeps her um, a more empathetic character. And so I get that in the movie, you know, you know, it was meant to be funny. She hits her head and her perspective changes. But again, if we're really going to dig into um, changing the storyline for women in different bodies and with, with um, opening up the door to different ideals about beauty, we really need to consider the fact that the head injury keeps her from being empowered, right? It keeps her from creating her own reality. It's, yes, at the end, she's, she, she begins to realize that it wasn't the head injury and it was always within her grasp. But again, I wonder what it would look like and how an audience would respond to a movie about a woman in a plus size body that just decides to get it for herself. How would that look differently? How would we respond to it differently? And the suggestion, or I shouldn't even say the suggestion, the reality is, is that women on Instagram, on social media, who are owning their plus size bodies and their own brand of beauty are frequently trolled. They're frequently criticized and verbally assaulted by people. And so... What I want to highlight here is that this head injury keeps her an empathetic character. 
it, it makes us be like, okay, okay, okay. You know, like she's had this head injury. The head injury is not her fault. The byproduct of it is that she's stepping fully into her confidence and power as a woman in a plus size body. And I can get on board with that, you know, because she's not too in our face. She's not too confident. She's not too over the top. We stay empathetic to her. Um, And it's just limited. It's a limited view of the capacity of women. And it continues to play into that sexist narrative that women, we can only be empathetic to women who aren't too powerful. And again, you know, she's not, she's not making the change for herself. It happened to her. And so the work, so much of the work that I do with women is about learning how to powerfully shift that perspective for themselves and actually come to terms with the fact that the world is not going to do this for them. That we live in a culture that feeds women a very rigid, myopic, limited view of beauty and weight. And that if they want to actually live beautifully in their bodies, if they want to enjoy their bodies and have fun and go after their goals and chase their dreams and show up as they want to show up in the world, that they're going to have to make the shift for themselves. And that is hard, deep, powerful work. Not to be taken lightly. It is amazing what women can do for themselves, but it is a daily challenge. You know, I often say a positive body image in this world is not a single aha moment. <laughs> we're not we're not getting the benefit of a bonk on the head and then everything shifts. We have to work at it every single day. And for me the lesson here is you can do this. You don't need to get hit in the head. And if the world doesn't like it, that's the world's problem right? But we can do this for ourselves. We can stand in our own truth and we can own our bodies and own our beauty and show up powerfully in the world exactly as we want to. Is the world going to be as empathetic to us as they, as, as the audience is to Amy in this movie? Probably not at this point in time, but you know, the choice you're making is basically, You know, I live in a world that oppresses me in my body and with regards to my weight and my looks and the world can continue to do that. The culture can continue to do that. But do I want to continue to participate in this, right? Do I want to continue to participate in my own oppression? That is the question that women have to ask themselves. And when they decide, no, I do not want to continue to participate in this, then you're stepping into your power and then you're ready to start to make the shift in perspective for yourself. No head injury needed. All right. And the third, the third thing, the final thing that I just wanted to talk about that popped up for me, and this is something that popped up for me, even just watching the trailers, like it wasn't after watching the full movie, it it came up for me personally, um, before I even saw the movie. And it might sound contradictory to what I was just talking about, how women can can make the decision to stop participating in their own oppression and do the work and shift their own perspective on weight and beauty without needing cultural approval to do that. Um, it might sound like I'm contradicting that, but just stick with me. The issue I have is that the main message at the end of the movie you know, when she all of a sudden realizes that it wasn't her body that changed, it was her perspective. And the only thing that was standing in the way of her hopes and dreams was herself, 
her own thought process. And so to me, the end is, you know, it's up to you to change the way that you feel about your body and your beauty. And yes, we can do that. And I teach women to do that because we live in a culture that is not kind to women when it comes to looks and beauty and keeps us locked in body jail all the time, you know, and so we have to learn how to do that. But my problem (laughs) is that we have to learn how to do that, right? I work with women all the time who are struggling with body and and all of the food behaviors that come out of struggling with our bodies. And very occasionally, I have an incredibly critical thinker that I'm working with who will say to me, Jill, you know, I love working with you. This works amazing. It's shifting things for me. But I got to say, I kind of resent the fact that I have to do the work with you. And I get it. I get it. You know, it's bullshit that we have to work so hard at it. Yes, we can work hard at it. Yes, we can be the constructors of our own reality. Yes, we can make the shift in perspective required to live powerfully in the world. But it's bullshit that we have to. And this idea that the moral of the story is it's up to you as a woman to do it, it takes the onus off of the toxic culture. It takes the responsibility from the culture and puts it back on the female. And that is one of the biggest problems with diet culture to begin with. One of the things that I talk to women about all the time is the fact that we live within a diet culture. And despite the fact that 80, 90% of women, if not all women to some extent, are suffering from the diet culture that we live in. We all believe that it's our own individual failure and fault. We are the ones failing. We are the ones getting it wrong. That's what we believe. That's what we're taught to believe, that we are failing. And if we could just get the food right or the exercise right or the whatever, our bodies would finally fall into place and we'd fit in. And then we'd get all the thin people prizes and privileges, right? We're taught to believe that it's our own individual failures. And so much of the work that I do with women is about helping them understand that it's not an individual problem. It's a social problem. It's a cultural problem. It's a virus that we catch when we are very young. And unless we work hard to dig it out of our brains, it is hardened in there. And so yes, part of the work I do is teaching women how to powerfully shift perspective so that they can live and exist in the world beautifully. But the thing that came up for me (laughs) is I'm kind of tired of doing that sometimes. You know, it's hard. And why should I have to work so hard every single day to just live in the body that I live in? It's craziness. When you take a step back, it is actual craziness. And back to point one of all of this, I don't even have it that bad, right? In terms of intersectionality and weightism and privilege, I'm at the top of the pile. So I can't even imagine the struggle that some women are going through to just live and exist and show up in the bodies that they're in. And it's so easy to applaud the work that I do. And I love this work. I think it is life-changing and world-changing. But even I doing this work, and I feel like I have really shifted 
the perspective that I have and really healed the relationship that I have with food and I feel like I do show up beautifully in my body, I am still subject to the assault of the culture regularly. A couple of personal examples. Um, A couple months ago, we were away for a weekend with a bunch of people and there was a guy there um, and I don't want too many identifiers because it's not about calling people out. It's just about an observation, a straight observation about the culture that we live in. There's a man there and his wife is not with him. She's away with their kid at a basketball tournament and she texts him a photo of one of the refs in this basketball game. They went to high school with him and apparently he's gained weight since high school and she decides to take a photo of this ref and send it to the man who's with us away for the weekend. And without even a blink of an eye, he kind of laughs and shows us this picture. And it's, I don't know, it's supposed to be funny. We're supposed to laugh at the fact that someone's gained weight since high school. And is this something we do still? (laughs) Like we make fun of people who've gained weight since high school and we take photos of them unknowingly and share them and then pass them around at a table and laugh about it. And it's happening. I'm, I'm just sitting there dumbfounded saying like, I, I think this is inappropriate. Like is, this, this shouldn't be happening, you know? And then last weekend we had one of my daughter's friends for a sleepover and sweet, sweet little girl. But even at seven, we're watching this movie Jumanji and in the new Jumanji, um, there's a bunch of teenagers that find the Jumanji game and they get thrown into the game and they're given characters. And one of the teenage girls, she's like the popular hot girl, um, ends up in Jack Black's body. Jack Black is her character in the game. And, you know, as she transforms into Jack Black, she's obviously distressed and freaking out because she's all of a sudden like a middle-aged man when she was a, a hot teenage girl. And and he's so distressed. And this little seven-year-old girl says, you know, I think he's just so upset because he has that big fat belly. You know, not about the fact that she transformed from a girl to a man or from young to old. The thing that she picked up on, and it wasn't totally overt in the movie at all, was the fact that he was fat. That's the thing that she picked up on and highlighted that clearly that would be the point of distress. And so, yeah, we're we're taking baby steps forward in this in this world, in this culture of beauty ideals and thin is best. But the fact of the matter is this culture is still incredibly toxic. And we still have so many detrimental, harmful beliefs when it comes to weight and health and beauty. And you know, for me, what it just pulled up is that feeling of like, I'm tired sometimes, you know, I'm tired of doing this. And I'm not really, you know, I'm happy to keep fighting the fight. And I love this work. But I think it's fair to just acknowledge that while yes, we as women can make the decision to stop participating in the culture, and we can do the work and we ha- we can move forward and we can live beautifully and, and show up in the world be- the way that we want to show up. We shouldn't have to. We should be allowed to just exist in our bodies and not need a head injury or not need to work hard every single day to just be treated with respect and be treated as 
competent, intelligent human beings who are worthy of love and desire and acceptance and belonging in whatever body we happen to be in. So that's it. Those are my, those were the big, you know, the big three things that popped out in the movie that um, I'm either critical of or made me feel uncomfortable or brought up, brought up thoughts for me. I would love love to hear what you guys think, what you thought of the movie, what it pulled up for you. Um, if any of this is resonating, I'd love to hear it. And, um, if you're enjoying the podcast and I'd also ask for you not only to, to comment and email me hello at foodfreedombodylove.com, but I'd also love it if you went to Apple podcasts and left me a rating and review. It really does help so much to spread the word. And I think the more that we have conversations about the narrative in our culture and the way that women's, all people's really, um, I talk mostly about women, but all people's bodies, weights, health and beauty are discussed, uh, the better for everyone. So have a great week. Let me know what you think and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.